mean, you know, yeah. we are, you know, they forget the days. I don't think they forget. Maybe the problem is they remember the days, and that's why they're the sticking days? up our ass. I don't ass. know. I don't know. Let's, yeah, yeah. Talking about kids. Kids You know, suck. what the fuck? Yeah. If I talk to my dad Ooh. the way, we're just jumping in here, and then we'll do the intro. If I talk to my dad the way my kids talk to me, holy, Mother holy God. moly. Holy moly. Now, it really had nothing to do with the fact that my father was extremely large and strong. Yeah. He no, was. It, he, he was, you know, a superhero kind of guy. That but, has nothing to do. My father was, what, 5'7", 135 pounds? When he walked into the room, I sat up straight, you know, because yeah. I was like, what's he going to do? Am, am I doing the right thing? I, like, I would find yeah. something to do. Let me do this. You know, right. he would get on me for just sitting there. Right. So you're right. Even though your father was larger than life. Yeah. And my father wasn't, but, uh, you know, they would just respect the respect. All right, let's do a countdown real quick. Okay. That's, let's do that. Respect. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do that. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Bones, you ready back there? I think so. Or, I think he's hung over from uh, yeah, a little too his much seaside heights, John. Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> party. He was partying. I can't wait to see those videos on right. his uh, YouTube or Facebook page. <laughs> he should have his own Facebook page. Should. That's You're coming right. up next. Bones okay. is, he's become that big a star, according yep. to the comments, true. the emails. And he's out that's of control. Right. Yeah, well, that's true. Everybody yeah. loves Major Springfield Bones. Springfield. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another episode, the holiday weekend episode of The Jersey Alchemist. I'm your host, Dr. John Gerard Gallucci. Beautiful. And I'm Philip D'Angelo. What's up, pal? How you doing? Well, there? pretty good. Um, How was your family gathering? You had a big yeah, family gathering? Yeah, I went, uh, to a, gathering? went to a baptism. Nice. In, oh, always a happy occasion. It was a happy occasion. Yeah. Always a happy occasion. Uh, and um, that was in Bayhead, New Jersey. Mm. Yeah. Um, Beautiful Bayhead. Bayhead is absolutely gorgeous. So is Manilokin. So is that whole strip just... 100%. South of, well, I don't want to exclude Point Pleasant, but look, come on, Point Pleasant is, my family is deeply rooted in Point Pleasant Beach, and Point Pleasant Beach is deeply rooted in us. My grandfather had a house on the beach there way, way, way back, I guess, in the 40s and early 50s, uh, but not since then, but Point Pleasant is not Bayhead. It's not Manilokan. It's, you know, wow. I mean, there are just old-time kind of Victorian seashore manors on the beach there and in the surrounding, you know, business district on Ocean Avenue, and they're breathtaking. So after the after the church, which was a lovely little church with just a, surrounded by these beautiful stained glass windows, uh, then the, uh, I would call it, I guess, the brunch, no, no, lunch, lunch. It was like it was, yeah, it was in the afternoon, so it was. Okay. It was a lunch. It was afterward at the Grenville, and the Grenville was just wow, just gorgeous. Yeah, it was. It was very nice. A nice festive occasion. It's good very to see family. Festive, very festive. I, I don't think I ate, packed away, so many carbs and sugar. Uh oh. 
after Mike's episode. After, after Mike's episode. And, yeah. Wow. Right. But you know it was what it was. Mike, if you're watching. Yep. Say get him, email him. Let's go. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. But it was gorgeous. You know, it's a different world. And um, you know, I I hate to say it, but that television show kind of it wrongly co-opted the whole thought of quote the Jersey Shore. Oh, you talking about that show? Yeah, because down the shore, the Jersey Shore. Um, I don't know what to tell you, but Jersey, I said it before, has 400 miles of coastline. Mm -hmm. And just about all of it is really, really, it's just gorgeous. You know, the, nowhere has anything on the Jersey Shore, the real Jersey Shore, not that TV show. Mm. That's it, you know? Wow, that's impressive. I think Jersey took a bad rap because of that show. Mm -hmm. I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know you were a fan of it. No, a little bit. Not a little bit. Listen, right, anything okay, Italian okay. I'm going to watch, I mean, my... Uh, no, what? I, I don't know those characters, but apparently, like... Not always. All of them uh, are what, Italian. Two-thirds two of them were something else. Now something else. Posing know, as Italian-Americans, acting but, like Gavones. Well, listen, anything that has Jersey in it, then, well, I have to at least yeah. try it. Of course. What made The Sopranos so big? You know, not only was it great writing and acting, but it was all Jersey locations. You know, I, you know what I can't figure out about that? Talk to me. Uh, when The Sopranos came out, I think maybe one or two episodes had gone by, and my sister-in-law at the time, you know, she's still my sister-in-law, but, you know, divorced from her sister, mm -hmm. she calls me up, she goes, oh, you got to watch The Sopranos, oh my God, what a great show! Mm -hmm. And... Um, my sister-in-law is of a different ethnicity, religious order than mm -hmm. we are. And I said, really? I said, you want me to watch a show mm -hmm. where, where my people are depicted as bloodthirsty, sociopathic, you know, murderous maniacs? Mm -hmm. I said, here we go again, right? So I refused to watch. The Sopranos, except I got home late from work one night and I turned on the TV because I wanted to have something to eat. I was operating all day and all night. And I, I must have turned on an episode like right after the intro. So I had no idea what I was watching. Okay. And I was immediately riveted and glued to the set. And, and when it when it I was like, wow, like the writing, the acting and wait a minute. I grew up right there, mm. you know, like I was looking at the places that I that I hung out in as a as a as a teenager, a young adult. I couldn't believe it. And then the end credits rolled and that song came up and I was like, oh, my God, it's the mm. Sopranos mm. done. I was I took a hook, line and sinker, never missed an episode right to the crappy, strange door slamming last episode filmed but, in Holstein's filmed at Holstein's, Holstein's right. in and, Bloomfield and what I can't figure out is for the people that didn't grow up in the area that we grew up in I, I don't how did it become such a smash hit I have friends in Canada with talk about the Sopranos oh. it's like really 
Really? I, well, you know, James Gandolfini is a tremendous actor. He put it across. He did. If I read it correctly, you know Ray Liotta just mm -hmm. passed away. Mm -hmm. He was offered uh, Gandolfini's role and turned it down. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? But who the hell else could play Tony Soprano other than James Gandolfini? He's made for right? it. Yeah, he was made for it, I think. So certain roles... You know, Stallone, I mean, him, I mean, even Pacino. Who else could play Michael in The Godfather? I mean... Well, you know, originally, the I think it was the producers that had James Caan as Michael. James Caan. And that, sure. so the roles of, you know, James Caan and Michael were reversed. Yes. And I think it was... Um, who was the... Director? director. Coppola? Yeah. Uh, right. He said, no, no, no. He had what? a lot of fights on his hands. The yeah. studio gave him a lot of problems yeah, to I make know, that film. Studio. And they said, even like they used to watch the shorts, like they'd film it for a day or two, and then the executives would come in. Like they were really on his case, you know, which is amazing. Because right. it turned out to be an, an artwork, as far as I'm concerned, with the music, the right. photography, the way they captured the essence of that time period. It was amazing, I thought. Yeah, One no, best uh, of all time. No, I, I I agree, but you know the whole thing about Jersey, the Jersey Shore areas. Look, apparently there's a new film indie studio being built or just built in Newark. Yeah, a multi-million dollar complex, and I wow. don't know who I don't know whose name tag is on it, but I was just sent that from uh, my indie Intel. Mm. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Who knows? But I just, you know, how, why would people in Texas be so riveted to the TV set if if they were flying down the the turnpike and you, you know, and you see all the sights and sounds that we knew every day? Yeah. Well, John, think about it. I mean, what made there's a a series on Netflix now, Yellowstone, with Kevin Costner, filmed uh -huh. in Wyoming or something. Uh huh. I watch it. I love it. It's one of the most popular. You know, I've never been to Wyoming. I don't know anything about it, but there's but you, just something. Do you, do you love the scenery? And you say, oh, I loved it. it. Yeah. Love Maybe the you scenery. fantasize about actually being there. Yeah. Who you fantasizes know. about being in, in uh, Harrison, New Jersey. You know, it's like looking at. <laughs> or where Pizza Land is. Yeah. Where is that? Lyndhurst or something? I think or... so. It's like, yeah, but it's like... North maybe, Arlington? Well, maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a car accident. Like, you don't really want to watch, but you're curious. So maybe, you know, people... Not, I think you're right. Not only the, the, the world of the mob, the mobster, the criminal element, but, you know, there's that whole Italian background, and there's, you know, that grimy background of New Jersey. Right. You know? They definitely yeah. didn't go up into the country, at least on not many episodes, that was for sure. Right. You know, right. but they got lost in the pine barrens once. Right? I remember, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, that's for sure. John, to start this episode, we were talking about kids and respect that led into your family gathering. I mean, you want to go back to that topic about sure. respect? I mean, I, I'm I'm fascinated by this because, like you said, think of the respect we had for our uncles, our grandparents, uh, and then our parents especially. But we also respected teachers. We respected police officers. We respected clergymen, you know, and no matter what religion you were, you know, a rabbi, a priest. I mean, it just seemed like there was so much respect, and now it's all gone. Kids definitely don't respect parents. 
nobody respects the police. I mean, teachers, forget about it. If your kid's got a problem, those teachers are, your parents, those parents are coming in. They're going to yell at the teacher for not teaching their kid. Right. You know, we used to get yelled at and then go see the teacher and get yelled at some more after the meeting. Right? <laughs> what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Figure it out. So what? let's do a, a little, you know, poor man's root cause analysis here. Mm. How did we go from the days in the 19, the early 1930s, when my grandfather said to my father, Tommy, come with me. He had an Italian accent. I'm not going to try to duplicate it. Come with me. We're going to go to the store. You know, I, I, I need your help. And they got to, they got to um, Macy's in Newark. And... Um, he asked my father to pick out the toy that he liked. And my father, you know, his eyes were wide. My dad's going to buy me a toy. Wow, they had no toys. None. They lived in a fucking cold water flat in Newark. Mm. And um, on a cold night, my grandmother would stoke up the oven and leave the door open to the oven. And the only light bulb was hanging from a wire in the kitchen. A light bulb, not a fixture. That's how they lived. So he asked my father, which, which of these do you like? And my father picked out um, a yellow truck. I think it was made of tin or something, right? Yellow truck with, with black rubber wheels. My father was thrilled. My grandfather brought it over to the shopkeeper i guess we're having a lightning storm here mm. and uh my father was thrilled that his father bought him a yellow truck and when they got home my father started to play with it he went for it and my grandfather says oh whoa, hey, whoa he says i have to wrap this up because this is for my boss's son wow what a great story this is for my boss's son wow talk about a boom boom wow you know or wow. or a violin you know uh, a sad violin lick Mm. But my and my father adored his his mother and father. He did anything they said. Now apparently his my father was the baby. He was the youngest of three. He had an older brother and an older sister. And the older sister was on the phone with me here the other day. She's still alive. She's almost ninety-seven. God bless her. God bless her. But they were more or less street kids and didn't really listen to my grandfather and there were many many fights plenty of plenty of fights but my father had such respect for his parents and for the elders and for his grandparents and to be honest with you i'm going to tell a story that's a little kooky but it's the truth his grandfather my grandfather owned the gas station and the gas station was on the corner i don't know what street it was on it was down in newark and uh, when school got out, the kids would cut across the gas station. And my, my great-grandfather knew that that shouldn't happen. It was a problem. You know, they, if anybody wandered into, the, into a bay, there were pits you could fall into where people would... They didn't have a lift. They had a pit. So you had to crawl down into the pit and get underneath the car to fix what was going on. So... His solution, my great-grandfather, my father's grandfather's solution to the problem, uh, twofold. 
We're going to get a big-ass dog that'll tear their leg off if they come onto this property, which he did. He got he got a German Shepherd Chow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. Right? And he had a rubber hose. He had a rubber hose that was about a foot long, and he would stand there on the corner when the kids got out of school, and he stood there kind of whistling with his arms behind his back with his old fedora on, mm. probably had a stogie in his mouth. And if the kids were not with the program and they all knew and they were going to test him and cut across that that gas station corner lot as they as they passed him he didn't approach them face to face as they passed him out came that rubber hose and boom, he gave it to them right across the back of the head <laughs> what that's the truth what that's the god's honest truth if my father was still alive he would say, "Yeah, that was that was my grandfather. Oh, wow. Nobody fucked with that guy. Nobody." And you know what? If you're a kid and you went home and told your their, you know, their parents that they probably got hit too. What are you doing crossing the guy's property? You don't belong you, there. He, Mr. So and So had to hit you with a rubber hose. Yeah. What's wrong with you, pal? <laughs> right. Yeah. Get in your room or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, no food for you. <laughs> yeah, no food for you. Well, John, just understand. I mean. So these people that came from nothing. The, oh, it the, was nothing. That's it right. Was nothing. It, was. it was. We all know the stories. Yeah. I mean, the fabric that held them together. You talk about a cold water flat. I mean, and you had to put extra, you know, the fire, the yeah. logs. Think how that bonds a family. It does. You know? It's, a, you, it's, you, bonds. Against, it's you for survival. That's, that's right. So is. you need each other for survival. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, my father grew up, he had 10 brothers and sisters. He was that's one amazing. of 11. And my grandfather died early. So my, you know, when it came time to eat or whatever, my grandma would say, listen, you know the produce store? See what you can grab and run. Yeah. That's what they would say. See if you can grab and run. And if they got caught, they got beat up really bad, even as kids, by the police, you know? Yeah. If they got caught. If they got caught. No, I thought you meant, I thought you meant if they got caught, their parents beat the shit out of them no. for getting caught. No. Yeah. Yeah, well, that probably happened, too. My grandmother was tough. Uh, and, I mean, you know, so just think of that bond that formed with a family. So you did respect your elders because you all went through the struggle together. Okay, yeah. you don't think less of your mother or father or your brother and sister because you were all freezing and you know scrapping for food yeah. and you know all together. That's why right. I, you know kids going to school was a privilege back then. I mean, if you were a certain age, you had to start working, yeah. and if your family had a business, you had to start working in the family business, whatever that was. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, and I um, I don't want to bash the educational system but something has gone very wrong uh, within the halls of the educational system something has gone tremendously wrong you know and and at the same time you've got all right, let's look at it this way at least at least within the, the scope of our memory as kids cartoons which were basically brainwashing us one way or the other, cartoons were on on a Saturday morning. And I think it was from 8 a.m. until 12. And then after that, it returned back to, you know, the bullshit, ho-hum, adult programming. Looney Tunes was only on for like four hours a week. And then during the week, 
you had the Flintstones after school and before dinner. Yeah, yeah. And then you had a couple of kids series like Lost in Space and whatnot, and Flipper was there, and you know, and the Skippy, the Bush Kangaroo, I remember all of those. But I don't know. It's like, you know, today it's 24 seven, you know, and, and the well, kid, you know. John, look, just, at, look at car rides. I mean, we look at a car ride. You sat in the back of the car, and you asked, are we there yet, like 50 times? Until your mother turns around and whacked you, yeah. or, or you just did it. You know, nobody right. cared if you were entertained. Right. You know, now there's TVs in the back of the cars. Right. The kids are on their phone. I mean, they don't want to get there yet because they're so busy either watching some screen or they're yeah. playing on their phones. Yeah. I mean, totally lost in conversation. Yeah. How about back in the day with dinners? When you sat down at the oh, dinner shit. table, you know there was one one TV that that went off. Maybe you were lucky enough to watch the news, and you waited for your father. Right. Yeah. You didn't yeah. eat until he was served, and then, you know, it was like a whole process. Can I tell my pork chop story? I've been waiting for your pork chop story <laughs> since we've started this podcast. Okay. Go ahead. I got a story about everything, right? Uh, and maybe it's because I just never forget anything. Um, it was one of those weeknights. You know, it wasn't a Friday where we had... Well, we usually had fish on a Friday. It was that Catholic thing. But, you know, two or three nights a week, we'd have either spaghetti, macaroni, or pizza. And that was it, man. We just were, like, all in on that. We couldn't wait to slap our asses down at the table. I do remember on a Friday when I came home after school, if I smelled what I thought was pizza in the oven, and I looked in, and saw that it was flounder pizzaiola, I was like, oh, shit. That's basically a pizza tin with, you know, fish on it with tomato sauce and some whatever. We never really put cheese on fish. So where was I going with this? Um, you were talking about um, uh, your pork chop. Oh. So my mother was a very good cook. All of the all of the women in the family, both sides, were just master master chefs. They really were. But my mother could not make pork chops. My mother's pork chops. Sorry, mom, it's the truth. Her pork chops sucked, and she usually made them like with peas, and uh, I couldn't stomach peas. No, no. I learned how to really enjoy those big, large, green, frozen snow peas because they're pretty damn good. But do not open up a can of peas and put them on the dish. I don't give a shit how you cook them or how you saute them or spice them. It ain't for me. And my mother's pork chops, you know, we had holes in our shoes back then. How many kids? Well, maybe worldwide, there's a lot of kids that don't even have shoes. But back then, we had holes in our shoes because we had one pair of shoes until we grew out of them. And I can remember, you know, looking through the bottom of the shoe, you know, and then your sock had a hole in it because it was... You had to convince your father you needed new sneakers. And then you still didn't get it. You had to convince them. So my mother's pork chops, uh, you know, you heard the joke, you could you could use them as roofing shingles, <laughs> you know, or floor tiles. Oh. Or you could stick them in a, in a shoe with a hole in it and use them as a, a patch on the rubber soles of your shoes. Wow. My mother's pork chops sucked, and she put 
two pork chops in my dish and I think that this was third grade, something like that. And I was like, holy shit. And my father had a bug up his ass that night. And I said something. I, I, I issued some iteration of, I'm not going to eat this. This is disgusting, right? <laughs> he, he bounced my head off the wall with his finger. That's, that was my father's signature. He never swatted us because he knew you'd break our necks. It was the finger in the forehead, bang, like that, or in the chest. And then he'd say, if I ever hit you, I'd have to call the ambulance. You'd be in the hospital. And it was true. My father was a gentle guy, otherwise, but that was his threat. And he looked at me, and he said, and everybody was, everybody was, was done. My brother vacuumed up. He loved those pork chops, and my brother happened to love peas. So he gave me that smirk, like in a sitcom, you know, like, <laughs> you're stuck at the table, you little shit. I finished my food. I'm going to go watch TV. That kind of thing. All right, fine, jerk, right? And my sister was coddled by my mother. Okay, Franny, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, oh, good job, Franny. Um, um. But me, I was like, fuck it. You know, and that, that word came out of my mouth once, and I got the shit beat out of me. Not at the dinner table, God forbid. So my father said to me, you will sit here all goddamn night until the sun comes up unless you finish, until you finish that food. Mm. And I was like, you know, you could have cooked an ostrich egg on my head. Mm. And I was venging, I was, I was, you know, issuing revenge against that decree from my, my, uh, my horrible dad, right? I says, I'll show him. Screw him, I'll show him. So I filled my mouth with peas and before I filled my mouth with peas, I said, Mom, I'm done. I says, I'm done. I didn't like it, but I'm done. Okay? She looked at me. She was like washing dishes. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, all right. And boom, I filled my mouth with peas. And I grabbed the pork chops off the plate, and I put one in each of my pockets. <laughs> and I said, and I went upstairs to the bathroom. Thank God nobody was in the bathroom because then I would have been sitting with a mouthful of peas. And as soon as I got on there, I shut that door, pluck, right into the toilet. Yeah, I just emptied my mouth into the toilet, fucked those peas, but I forgot about the pork chops. I flushed the, flushed the toilet. There go the peas. Thank God, evil little things. And the next day... When I got up, uh, you know, and did the whole get up, wash your face, brush your teeth, all that bullshit, comb your hair, get into my pants, get into a shirt, and had something to eat, and you know, and off, off to school we went. I had no idea. So we were at the water fountain line. This, these are the days when if you, everybody got taken out of the classroom for a water break. Mm -hmm. We went out into the hallway, and everybody's lined up. And uh, there was one kid in front of me, and I stuck my hands into my pockets, and the teacher came over, and she goes, are you okay? And I had this puzzled look on my face that when I stuck my hands into my pockets, I had no idea what I ran into, and I pulled out a pork chop in each hand. And she looked at me, and she goes, what? She goes, I'm calling your mother. And I was like, no, don't call my mother. 
because then if she calls my mother, my mother's going to tell my father, uh, and I knew where those pork chops were going to go that Johnny's next night. Johnny's bringing pork chops. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, man, did I, oh, God, did I get into trouble. And I thought my teacher was my ally. She caught me. I really got cold cocked, and I'm going to call your mother. Good Lordy. I, I don't know, Phil. You know, uh, how is, much trouble is, did you get into? Does that mean I had no... Oh, it was bad. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we we never got grounded, but it, it was no TV for you for a week. Oh. That's kind of like getting grounded. Yeah, yeah, I was absolutely. like, and my brother was like, "So oh, you thought you were gonna pull a fast one?" <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> right. But John, just think of the respect. I mean, you know, it's so much respect when the family is close knit like that. Even if you had to go to an extreme, like hiding pork chops in your pocket, that is a great story. But now. There's, there's no respect. I don't even think, what family do you know talks about sitting down and eating dinner together? I honestly don't. You know, maybe Jordan Peterson or someone of that caliber can break this down as to where society went wrong. Is it, is it television? Is it the music industry? Is it the educational system? How about all of the above? It's all of the, it's wow. all of the, we don't need Jordan Peterson for that. God bless him. I love him. But... We, it's the, all of it. And the nucleus of the family is gone. It, it's just gone. Within, divorce is rampant. Uh, I mean, everybody's working their own hours. And it's just, it's just out of control. It's like going downhill in a car with no brakes. Yeah. I mean, just, whoom. And you get right. caught up on it. You know, yeah. you get caught up in it. No, I, everybody yeah. wants a promotion at work. Everybody wants, you know, no matter what the jobs were in the past, I mean, yeah, there were some crazy hours and some long days, but it seemed like at 6 o'clock, everybody was there at dinner. You know, where are the teeth? The teeth, though, I think the teeth is, is what the answer was back then because, all right, let's say there were a set of parents that weren't completely on the mark, and maybe they acted in a hypocritical way. Maybe they did this, maybe they did that. And then they had a problem with one of their kids, and the kids called them out. Oh, yeah? Well, I hear you cursing. I hear you guys fighting. You know, hey, I'm sure there's tons of that shit in this world. Back in the day, back in the day, you would have had your face slapped off by your mother, either with a wooden spoon or my mom had the stainless steel ladle, or your dad, your dad, oh, my God. Your dad would have taken his belt off and whipped the yeah. shit out of you. Or or just, you know, punched you. Lots of dads punched their kids out. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what I remember, John? This is what I remember of my childhood. Seeing a hand about here before I recognized it, before yeah. it mushed me across the face. And I then bet it, it was your on. mother's hand. No, no, it was Pops. It was dad's? Right. Yeah, yeah. She was she was spoons. <laughs> she was the spoons. Yeah. She played the spoons. Yeah, she she played the spoons, and then Pop would just, you know, he was just physical. But you can't do that today. You can't hit your kids. You hit your kids today, and the kids almost seem to know it. It's like, you hit me. Listen, when you're in trouble, I'm going to call, you know, I'm going to call my teacher, or I'm going to tell the neighbors, and then some shithead neighbor is going to fucking call Dyfus. How about when you got, if you got in a fight in the neighborhood, right? Yeah, I would go tell my father. Hey, guess what? Either I I fought with, you know, so-and-so down the street. You know, even if I won or lost, I usually lost. But, you know, I wouldn't say anything to him. Now, you know, my kids, if there was ever an altercation, I had parents calling me, we're coming over. 
and we're going to talk about this. I'm yeah. like, talk about what? What is it to talk about? Your kid's okay. My kid's okay. Tomorrow they're going to be friends. You know, my father told me once I came home, and it was a Saturday afternoon, and, and I had to wait for him to get home from whatever football game he was at. I, you know, he was an athletic director, and I think at the time it was Bloomfield. I was a little kid. I was like five. But mm, I don't know where he was. Bloomfield, Nutley, whatever. But I think I was around eight years old. And uh, one of the one of the, the extended neighborhood older kids, who maybe was 12, that's my brother's age, just decided he was going to pick on me that day. You know, maybe his older brother was beating the shit out of him at home, so he was going to pick on me. And he decided that he was going to provoke me. And as soon as I opened my mouth, he was going to shove me in the chest, which, of course, is like getting sucker punch you don't expect it and boom head over heels i went and i and i as i was picking myself up off the ground i felt like i was going to burst into tears because it not only hurt but it was humiliating you know why would somebody do that to me you know this this guy was from the neighborhood and as i stood up he walloped me right in the face right in the face with a fist and i went down again and i ran home silent i was so enraged i ran home silent and my father got home that night i told him i told him this kid's name was chris hey, chris pushed me chris shoved me then he punched me in the face you know my father's questioning was number one what did you do what did you do that that he acted this way nothing you know kids nothing and the next thing he said to me he looked at me he says oh yeah you know, all six foot three and a half, 250 pounds of him. He says, well, he says, you better learn how to defend yourself. You better learn how to fight. That's what he said to me. You better learn how to defend mm. yourself. He didn't say anything marshmallow-like, like, well, you better not retaliate. He says, you better learn how to fight. Mm. You know, but then it was like, okay, well, teach me. But, you know, he, you know. Yeah, he was too busy. Respect? respect. I, I don't know. Respect. Does Look, anybody who respects anybody? These that's days? that's what I'm saying. There's no respect for people coming in and out of traffic. There's no respect, you know, holding the door open for each other. I mean, civility. It's just it's gone, you know. And and I tell people all the time, John, and we've said this. If everybody just did their part, if everybody respected each other, it goes a long way. You know, yeah. if you show respect to somebody, especially in a tough situation, they're going to show respect to either you or somebody else later in the day. And, and that's the way it works. Yeah. And parents, you have to teach your kids respect. I mean, not physically teach them, but just from jump when they're small, say, listen, parents, policemen, teachers, you know, until somebody crosses you, you do treat them with respect. That's what I would tell my kids. Listen, you treat everybody the same. If somebody crosses the line, you know, then you do what you have to do. I hate to say it, but you know where my, my, as you were talking, I'm listening to you and I'm picturing the old timers. <sighs> Something is nagging at me. Oh. And no, what's nagging at me is the, the thought, the concept that once the struggle to survive is abated, eliminated eliminated amen once that struggle for survive is gone to survive is gone it seems like i don't know maybe people lose respect for themselves 
Maybe people then have no respect for other people. Life becomes a pressure cooker because, you know, let's, let's face it, television is the opium of the masses, but who the hell ever would think that the opium being dealt out or doled out would be coming from the authorities, from the government, from the intel services. They had to have a, you know, they knew, they knew what they were doing. If there was going to be a chicken in every pot and a TV in every family room, and the TV, uh, I think that's the answer. I think the government reached right in, right? And we talked about taking the fathers out of the, mm. the zone of influence with going to work. And then the mothers were all, you know, career-minded and fine. But then the TV was the, that, that wooden stake, you know, just, just malleted right into the heart of the, the American families because the TV was teaching us all sorts of shit. And what did it evolve to? I know it's a couple of years back now because it was popular when my kids were watching it, but iCarly? iCarly was a stupid, bullshit, preteen, um, I don't even, what, what would you call it? Was it a sitcom, a situational, yeah. whatever? And it was all about a bunch of preteens that were running around in a million-dollar apartment with some whack-off kid fancying himself to be the producer or the the director, the videographer, and he was constantly recording people with this big shoulder-held, you know, video recorder. And there wasn't a single adult in the entire goddamn program. That's it. What respect? What would your parents... How dare your parents speak to you? John, I think you hit it right on the head with that television statement. And this is the new television right here. Oh, this yeah. is now, instead, at least with a television, you had a shot of your parents, you know, finding out what you're watching, right? Yeah, right. Now with this, everybody's like this. You can't see it. You know what's going on. Yep. The new television. This is where it's taken over. As many good things as this thing brings... It brings a lot of bad things. Yeah, no, and, and you know, from working with kids for decades, I would see kids come in to the office for a, you know, an office visit, talking to the mom, and out, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I'm looking at their two and a half year old kid who's going like this on an iPhone, boom, 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 scroll, 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 boom, boom, boom. That's like, wow, these kids just know. These kids know how to use this shit. Well, to, to close off, John, before yeah. you're alchemized, I would just tell parents, teach your kids respect. Yep. You know, teach yep. them respect. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, all I can say, you know what, this is one that I think, you know, I just, it makes me sad. It makes me sad yeah. to think that respect is very hard to find. And I would say, I wonder who the patron saint of respect is. I don't know, but you know something? I'm going to choose. I'm going to pick with my intuition. St. Augustine. St. Augustine of Hippo. St. Augustine. I call upon you, St. Augustine, and this is not a joke. Do your best to shed some light onto the people of the world that kids need to show respect to their elders and elders, in turn, need to have respect for themselves and, in turn, for their kids. Life is a pressure cooker. Life is a pressure cooker. St. Augustine, St. Augustine, I reach out to you. I am a channel for the saints. It's not a joke. I joke and I bluster and whatnot, but I am a channel for the saints. St. Augustine, 
help the world. The world needs a big, fat, booster dose of respect. Amen. Great job, John. Thank you very much for that. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Jersey Alchemist. If you like what we're doing, press like, subscribe, tell your friends. Till next time, peace.